Thank you very much everyone and welcome back to the Rowdy Buddhist. Today I want to actually help give you some more information because a lot of times I, I may be speaking of terms that hopefully um, you have the option to go uh, look them up and, and to understand a little deeper, especially when I reference particular sutras or particular people. Um, but one of the what I'd like to do with this segment is to get you some more insight. Of course, you might have heard me multiple times uh, referring to uh, Grandmaster Tiantai, uh, otherwise known as Ji Yi. Uh, this is a very important aspect of the information because a lot of people look at Nichiren Buddhism and look at it as a doctrine simply formed from the beliefs of Nichiren Shonen. But what I've come to comprehend and understand, and, and this is the same because a lot of people don't understand the many uh, founders of Kamakura Buddhism um, and the one uh, specific practice teachings, right? So the focusing either on uh, sitting Zazen or chanting the Nembutsu or chanting Namu Myoho Renge Kyo, uh, this kind of reinvention of the practice to focus in a way almost ultra-Orthodox, uh, pairing away all the extra stuff. Um, but they, they kind of look at them as like new religion, new practices. But what's really phenomenal is about Nichiren Shonen is that people really look at Nichiren Shonen and think he was some kind of blowhard or arrogant person. But in actuality, what he was simply doing was reiterating uh, without any compromise Master Tiantai's teaching, which if you look at the Lotus Sutra, it says specifically to teach the teaching as it is. So therefore, we, we don't add uh, our ideas to it, etc. We we practice it based on the teach by the teachings that they were able to receive. So even the sayings and quotes that Nichiren Shonen uses, and also other great teachers like Master Dogen of the Soto Zen tradition, etc., they used uh, previous masters' teachings, and it sounded like it was just from them because we're reading their teachings now without that context. But actually, a lot of them came. Uh, from previous teachings that they were, uh, that they believed that they understood and, and were uh, focusing on what was the most useful aspect in order to help uh, enlighten others. So today I want to talk about Master Tiantai or Ji Yi. And Master Ji Yi uh, lived from 538 to 597. And he's seen as the principal founder of Tendai or Tiantai Buddhism. Uh, and also, one of the things that he's known for is producing uh, one of the most important synthesis of teachings, of different fragmental teachings um, that he incorporated together in order to find some kind of uh, collection of information for practitioners of Buddhism. Uh, and, and they call it like almost like disparate fragments. And, and actually, unfortunately, they, even nowadays, the modern Tendai looked at Master Tantai or GE as simply the compiler of information. Uh, but Nichiren Buddhism, we look at it very, very differently. So he had compiled this information uh, during the Han Dynasty when a lot of Indian sutras were, were first being available to uh, the Chinese in their language. So... As we know, even the translation of the Lotus Sutra from Sanskrit to Chinese was a master, a massive undertaking because two different distinct languages, how they're written, 
how they're how they're interpreted and Chinese being a very poetic language um, made it extremely complicated uh, to be to translate Sanskrit into Chinese and also the way it's written so that was an amazing accomplishment and but this was the first integration of uh, Indian sutras that were brought over and, and if you look into that century there were many and before that many great masters who risked uh, life and limb to go and and collect these sutras and bring them back um, and it's important to see that one of the greatest things that are that is attributed to master tiantai is what's known as the pan chiao which is meaning literally the classification of teachings so we'll see this because this is a really big integral part of Nichiren Buddhism um, which it became a standard tool for sorting out you know the different Buddhist teachings and traditions uh, allowing to you know formulate some kind of timeline as the process of the Buddhist teaching and how they were ordered and that that order had a meaningful purpose so but you know from research of course this is this is attributed to Master Ji but uh, it was actually um, a lot of his contemporaries he had uh, been able to derive information from and from the systems and he, he, of course, mentions this in his work. So you'll be able to see he's, he often refers to the three southern and seven northern uh, masters and schools. So that, that's a really important part because that's an integral part of Chinese, of Chinese Buddhism. Uh, but he did his own doctrinal classification, which was, you know, in many ways was seen as more comprehensive. And obviously it endured longer than the other teachings of the predecessors. So what we see now... Uh, is actually what Master uh, Yi compiled. And the other thing that he brought was the process or practice of religious practice called uh, Kuan. And uh, this is what created into what is now known as the Tiantai tradition. And of course, that's alongside many of the other traditions such as the Chan tradition. And later I'll explain there's a very integral closeness as to why Zen Buddhists, Zen Buddhists took this word Chan and where it came from. Because it's actually coming from the same source, which is pretty interesting. And um, basically, you know, in short, Ji was basically surveying the totality of the scriptural tradition that he was able to have at that time. And then put this together into the united practice of Kuan uh, with doctrine. And what is this called? It's interesting because we're, we're working towards something very familiar in Nichiren Buddhism in the quote, Shohoji Sosho, learning and practicing. Now, this is an extremely important letter, uh, doctrine, uh, letter of Nichiren Shonen. And it becomes extremely obvious of where it obviously originated. And he produced a integrated systemization of these two uh, focuses, uh, whereas simply the previous people to him had just tried to arrange the doctrines uh, in the sutras into a, a kind of consistent whole. So it, it allowed people to see 
when the Buddha's first teachings and how the Buddha's teachings progressed. And then, of course, ultimately, uh, and these systems were through many different schools because, of course, the sutra in which they followed uh, was the uh, most significant sutra in that listed in that uh, listing. So, of course, here is the Lotus Nirvana. So the Lotus Sutra, of course, uh, being seen as the most substantial, the uh, collection of the Buddha's pure essence, and that what all the other teachings were obviously leading to. So, you know, G organized this really great far-reaching synthesis uh, and introduced a lot of really new ways of looking at Buddhist thought and practice from some of the earlier traditions. And also from this, we see from the Tiantai school, it opened the door to massive developments of, in Buddhist thought and practice. Uh, all you have to do is see even Tendai in Japan, uh, how vast and, and, and through the different centuries, how the different teachings had moved and the different kind of practices, etc. that it just became this amazing uh, collection of, of practice and study. So GE's role in producing what, what's called as a unified vision of Chinese Buddhism uh, has been, in a way, there's a political connection to this, and that is his patron. His patron was the first emperor of the Sui dynasty, and that Sui dynasty existed from 581 to 618. And this was really significant because what it did, it was uniting the north and the south of China uh, after a long period of wars between the courts, they were reuniting them. So as you can see, there may have been a very deep influence in, in order to bring or unite with this uh, idea of um, the one vehicle uh, being able to unite the different schools of Buddhism in, in, in thought and practice. And before the Sui dynasty, the, in northern China, it had it had been said to have been oriented towards the practical side of Buddhism. Okay, so what worked and what didn't? This is because these were also men of action, and often, as we see in like the uh, kind of seen as barbarians from their ancestry, and the south tended to be like the court, uh, theoretical, the doctrinal, and basically full of uh, aristocrats and scholar officials. So you could see that bringing these two together was an extremely remarkable uh, accomplishment uh, for the Sui dynasty, right? And, and this is obviously reflected in these teachings. So uh, it's, it's very important that we understand that not only this synthesis of Buddhist teaching, but and the deliberate emphasis that we can see in this synthesis, which is placed on words, doctrine, and practice. And this is very interesting because there is a, there is a gosho, a letter by Nichiren Shonen, that talks about the same, uses the same teaching, the same metaphor as Master Tiantai in saying to unite these two practices. He says, quote, the two wings of a bird, that these two practices are the two wings of the bird or the two wheels of a cart. And that if either one of them is impaired, then you wouldn't be able to attain full spiritual awakening. 
And, and actually, there's a there's a letter with Nietzsche and Shonen that talks about, you know, husband and wife and, and the kind of re, the relationship between two, um, uh, how do you say, the couple, that it is like the wings of the bird. And also, this comes back to a very important part again. That I look up that that doctrine. I mean, the letter Shohoji Soso, learning and practicing. We use it quite often in our Sunday services, and and this is what it's referencing. And and you'll see, wow, that really Nietzsche Shonen was a purveyor of trying to bring back these concepts of Master Tian, of Master Tantai or GE. So. A lot of the multiple teachings that survive from Master GE, the works fall easily into two categories of either doctrine or practice. Um, and it allows us to see and understand at a deeper level both aspects. And um, of course, there were many, there were about, they say that, you know, there were quite in a substantial amount of Nietzsche, of uh, Master Tiantai's works, but many of them are missing or extinct. But uh, about half of the 35 uh, works of GE uh, are still uh, extinct, extinct uh, which, which are still around, uh, deal with practice. So they still exist, basically, is what I, I would say. Um, and they deal specifically with practice, which is quite interesting because when you read the Lotus Sutra, where is the practice? It doesn't specifically say chant the sutra, the chant the uh, chant the daimoku, etc. But this is where Nichiren Shonen was specifically finding and through his understanding, focusing and paring it down to the practice of the odaimoku. So there are... Uh, what are known as the three best, most important, well-known works of Master Ji Yi. And the first one is the Fa Hua Suan, which is the profound meaning of the Lotus Sutra. You've probably heard of that in Nietzsche and Shonen's writings. The Fa Hua Wenchu, which is the word and phrases of the Lotus Sutra. And the Moho Chikuan, uh, which is, uh, of course, is the Makashika. And these are seen as the very heart of the Tiantai or Tendai tradition and are commonly referred to as the three masterworks of Tiantai. And they, the first two, of course, as you can see, they belong to the doctrinal part, uh, explaining the connection with the Lotus Sutra and, and the commentaries of the Lotus Sutra, basically. And the third, of course, is the Moho Chikuan, uh, that is the Makashikan. And this is the one of the three that deals specifically with wing uh, with the religious practice, otherwise, quote, wings of the bird, which is actually what makes the bird move, makes the bird be able to change uh, or go up or go down. So this is the action part of it. And, uh, you know, there is a contention that where is the connection specifically in all the works you know, Master Tiantai doesn't specifically say that it's based that it's based specifically on the Lotus Sutra. So some schools will do that. However, I feel after studying and practicing the Makashikan uh, that it is very much based in the Lotus Sutra, in the spirit, the essence of the Lotus Sutra, 
And I believe that was what Master uh, GE was conveying to us. So there's a lot of debate as to whether or not it is really based on the Lotus Sutra. Uh, for us as Nichiren Buddhists, uh, obviously Nichiren Shonen understood and believed uh, through his study as well that the uh, lo that it is indeed based on the Lotus Sutra. But some people will say there is only a few references and even uh, some light of the practices they talk about, for instance, the Lotus Samadhi practice, etc., as a group of in a group of different religious meditations. But Master Tiantai cites so many different sutras. But you know, as we are talking about the periods, the five periods and eight teachings, uh, which we can go into the later. In that categorization, as I said, each kind of school has their own categorization of that. But the Tiantai categorization of the five periods uh, and the eight teachings is, is the usual accepted amongst uh, uh, Buddhists, especially in Korea, China, and Japan. And with those five periods, of course, the Lotus Nirvana being the last series of sutras, the last period, uh, is the uh, shows as the ultimate teaching that those were designed, those were specific um, by the Buddha's uh, practice and study, that he did it in a specific order in order to lead people to the Lotus Sutra, to the idea of the one vehicle. And in many times you'll see that the uh, Lotus Sutra is seen as the um, harvest, right? They call it the harvest, what, what is finally being brought out from the teaching. And the um, Nirvana Sutra is seen as the gleaning of the harvest. And if you look up what gleaning it actually means, it means actually like pounding it and, and kind of, uh, how do you say, perfecting it or, or the actual physical action of preparing the harvest, which took me a while to understand that analogy. But you can go in and look what it means to glean when you have a harvest of wheat, etc. And... Um, this is why people think that it's very much connected to the Lotus Sutra is because of this particular and, and, and the most important thing that sticks out for Master Tantai or GE of the um, five periods and eight teachings claim uh, that he had. So and also it can be seen that, you know, the. You know, he had an understanding of the Lotus Sutra because he exalted the sutra because it it was not about exclusivity. It allowed the idea of the one vehicle, right? And it it was it was about the one vehicle, not being exclusive, one practice, etc. That's what they say in in of course Tendai, um, and that it is it has kind of comprehensiveness and finality to it because of course it being the kind of the buddha says in the not kind of i shouldn't use that word the essence of the buddha as we see the most important chapter for nietzsche and buddhist is chapter 16 especially at the end where the buddha says his true intention uh, i am always looking at the way to uh, cause all living beings to overcome suffering and attain enlightenment quickly and that you know being able to achieve enlightenment of all beings uh, not even with the exception of Devidatta, uh, not uh, the exception of women, uh, that basically all 
uh, animate beings uh, are part of the Buddhist Sangha. And, and that's kind of, that, that's not kind of, it is a very uh, dramatic and big statement uh, and why the Lotus Sutra is seen as the uniting force behind all of the uh, different uh, scriptures of the Buddha and teachings. So, you know, the most basic level, religious practice in Tendai or Tiantai tradition is organized according to the ancient Buddhist concept, which you'll see in many forms, of kaming, shamatha, and contemplation, vipassana. So, they use these ancient teachings, but their adaptation of Master Tantai with all of the works, this concept is really considerably altered and enlarged because that's what I look at the Makashikan as the greatest meditation manual and, and way of living that I've ever seen. And, and, and when I was able to study and practice it with somebody who actually understood it, which had to go to India, etc., to understand it, it made Buddhism have a practical sense, just like the wings of the bird. Finally, you feel yourself gaining some leverage in your study and practice. So, in this idea uh, of the coming and contemplation, uh, this, of course, was not written by Master uh, Tantai, but was a uh, was collected and recorded by his disciple, uh, Kuan Ting. Uh, and then also it was edited several times after Ji's death, uh, before it reached what we are, what we know, and the book that we use is from the Taisho Canon. Canon. So the Canon of the Taisho Canon is a collection of they tried to collect all the Buddhist scriptures, and uh, process process them into some kind of Canon, uh, meaning organization. So, you know the. Coming and contemplation, it involves a fluid, alt, uh, like movement between different stages and practices of what Master Tantai calls the gradual approach, and that's based on what you know, the occasion, what's happening in the occasion, and the conditions. So it's a way that we're able to adapt according to the current situation. And, um, you know, the practice of calming and contemplation, we, we look at, and this is where I want to talk about the idea of the connection with Zen Buddhism. So there is a work of Master Tiantai that maybe people are not familiar with, but it is a, a ten fascicle, Tsu Di Chan Men, Chan Men. Uh, of course, you hear that word Chan, which means uh, the Dhyana. And this was by far the, the most comprehensive meditation manual of, of its day. And, uh, and of course, this is at the beginning of uh, Master Tiantai's career. And, and a lot of people think it maybe is his earliest work, whereas the Makashikan stays, uh, stands at the end of his career. So it's very interesting to know that. So they're very similar, these two works, uh, even down to the, the number of chapters, the names, etc. But... One of it is, is that Zen Buddhism, you know, used the word Chan or Dhyana, Zen in Japanese, to sum up the religious practice. Uh, they borrowed that from the earlier work. And in Tendai, and that the 
which was replaced later by Master Tiantai in the later work of Makashikan, which is Chikuan, and that is Shikan, Shamata Vipassana. And that is a very interesting idea that they come from the same source. But Master Tiantai, the reason why he changes it and he talks about it, and he says that he changes the term to the, the coming and contemplation because it, it served as an overreaching, overarching term, kind of over everything uh, for religious practice in the Tiantai tradition. So everything was under this great arch of Shikan. Whereas in uh, Chan Buddhism, uh, the thought was the idea of focusing on dhyana. But actually, if you look at it, Master Tiantai had discarded this idea uh, in his later works because it was seen as not comprehensive enough to be to fully encapsulate all of the practices, that it was only one part. So actually, that's the idea of shamatha being one part, and that with this idea of shikan, shamatha vipassana, was seen as the as the over overarching over the main goal of the practice of shikan meditation. So many people are familiar that this word chan is represents the uh, Indic word from India, dhyana, uh, and chi kuan. Uh, translates as shamatha vipassana. But as GE used the two terms, there are multiple levels of meanings uh, that are not included in the original Indian concept. Uh, each of them denotes that for him, the whole of religious practice and not merely the concentrative acts, uh, aspect. That's why I was saying he saw it as too restrictive that it, it was missing the insight part of it. And, and that's why chi, uh, chi Kuan or Shikan is the idea of concentration insight as a more whole uh, concept of his practice. And, you know, as Master Ji Yi went on in his years, he grew to regard the religious practice and religious, uh, religious perfection as fundamentally composed of two elements the static and the dynamic, the quiescent, quiescent and the luminous, the cessation of delusion, which is nirvana, and the uh, finding or, how do you say, bringing in of the ultimate reality, which is bodhi. And to express this, he had to write, you know, the about the concept of chikwan, and it, for him, that became more suitable because, as I said, then the concept of Chan, which he states was kind of limited to just Shamata. And uh, it this seems like a lot of uh, information. But just to before I go, I want to just give you a little insight to the idea of uh, the idea of calming uh, uh, Shikan. So the first one, Shikan, Shi, calming. You know, Master Tiantai says it's like a closed room, like closed and windowless room. So just purely dark. That's the emptiness coming. And that the contemplation part, the kuan, is like a lamp that burns brightest when the air is still. 
So the when the flame is the lightest, because the mind is still, the air is still, the flame is able to burn. And with that flame, they use the idea of light because it illuminates the whole room. The second is calming is the soap that loosens the dirt. And contemplation is the clear water that rinses it away. Again, this is, of course, being attributed to the mind. They also use it in the idea of action, that calming is the hand that holds the clump of grass, while contemplation is the sickle that cuts it down. Very interesting. Again, I believe that is uh, within the metaphors that they use. Again, you know, going to the idea of the, the reaping of the harvest and the, um, of the Lotus Sutra and the Nirvana Sutra. Um, and he basically expects and, and explains that through the effect of religious practice, right? So we are able to see tranquility and insight or stillness or clarity. And he used it at the idea of, and this is actually the depth, the depth of a pond. And in the Indian system, because there's additional, how do you say, connections to that they we use the idea of a pond for the idea of purity uh, to be able to see even the idea of the purity of the food right that you eat or the purity of your thoughts etc they use this contemplation of the mind um, and it's seen that when you have stillness and clarity the depths of a pond become clear when the ripples on the surface are stilled and the sediment in its waters settles very fascinating because there is a great Ayurvedic uh, concept that's associated with this the idea of uh, sattva or purity that is the state uh, of shkan and in the last part to explain shikwan can be understood as a, as a kind of description or awareness that not of the, the person who's practicing, but of what we're trying to attain or realize, the ultimate nature itself. Um, that is seen in the concept, which we can go into later, of Kanjin. You'll see, not just my name, Kanjin Nichiren Shonen refers to it, of course, in the Kanjin Honzon Sho. Uh, and so we have used the word and the you know, whatever allows you to understand the nature and the connection between the two, that it uses the the concept of qi chao, which is quiescence and illumination. So, very important to understand what is the goal of our practices, Nichiren Buddhism. And I believe, uh, through my study and practice, that Nichiren Shonen was by far... Um, a true practitioner of Tiantai Buddhism, and that he was, of course, all of his teachings are in harmony, and a lot of it comes from uh, Master Ji's uh, tradition and practice. So, uh, very amazing. I just wanted to give you some background on that. Uh, I hope it was helpful, and I look forward to talking to everyone again in the future. Thank you so much for your support of this broad, uh, of this podcast. And uh, thank you very much. Namu myo horen gikyo.